you are second grade and younger, uh, head on down to Children's Church. And also if you're uh, a child who's using a treasure seeker binder, uh, go grab that at this time as well. Let's pray. Father, the goal of our church here at Mount Free is to, is to send everybody to heaven, uh, that everyone would be, would be presented before you holy and blameless. And, and Lord, in our text this morning, Lord, we, we see uh, two different types of people. We see uh, those who are real and those who are not. And, and I, my prayer, Lord, is that, uh, is that the people in this church, Lord, would, would be uh, good branches that bear fruit, that are connected to the vine. And, and I pray that, uh, that those who, here today who, who are not joined uh, to Jesus Christ, I pray that they would be joined to him and, and have life as a result. And so, Lord, join us in this time. I pray that your words would uh, dig deep into the hearts of the people um, who are here and that uh, they would be changed as a result. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every March is a favorite time of year for sports fans because of the NCAA basketball tournament, also known as March Madness. And some of you maybe have watched some of the games this week. Uh, some of you maybe even filled out a bracket uh, yourself. It's probably not doing very good because of all the upsets. But last Sunday was the day when... A, a committee, an NCAA committee, decides which, te- which teams get into the tournament. Only 68 teams receive an invitation to play in this tournament that decides the national champion. And there are 349 Division I basketball teams. So last Sunday, some teams found out that they were in. They heard the good news. They heard their names called. Many others found out the bad news. They, they weren't in. Uh, one of them happened to be my favorite team, the, the Minnesota Gophers, the Golden Gophers. But, but this is how life is, if you think about it. Now, basketball is just a game. But life, in life, the creator of the universe is going to let people know whether they're in or whether they're out at the final judgment. And Revelation gives us a picture of this in Revelation chapter 20. Everyone's name are either in a book or they're not in a book. And we'll we'll read this right here. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And And the dead were judged by what was written in the book, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So my question is to you, are are you in this book? Will you hear your name called at the judgment? Now, I imagine this book is in heaven. None of us have access to it. 
to see whether our name is in it. But the Bible does give us some good indicators to give us confidence that we are in it. And our text this morning gives, gives us confidence that we are in this book. So turn with me in a Bible to John chapter 15. If you're using a Red Pew Bible, it's on page 901. And our text will be verses 1 through 17. Last week's sermon uh, was on John 14. This is the passage where Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says uh, to, his, to his disciples, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. So Jesus makes these, these major claims to his disciples. This morning our text is on the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine and his followers are the branches. I'm going to start off by reading verses 1 through 8. So follow along with me. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Continual growth in Christ-likeness is evidence that you belong to Jesus. Continual growth in Christ-likeness is evidence that you belong to Jesus. Now in this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And Jesus refers to himself as the vine. He refers to himself specifically as the true vine. And his disciples would understand this language because Israel was referred to the vine in the Old Testament. But Israel proved itself not to be the true vine because of their rebellion. They were a a rebellious people. And so Jesus says to them, you know, they're not the true vine. I'm the true vine. And the vine dresser, here in verse 1, is the father. Another word for vine dresser is farmer or planter. He's the one who who plants the vine. He's the one who manages the growth on the the vine. And in verse 2, we see that there are two different types of branches. One branch bears fruit and the other does not. Uh, Look with me at verse 2. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, the unhealthy branch, he completely cuts off from the the vine because it is dead. And the healthy branch, he prunes 
that it would become even healthier or, or that it would bear more fruit. Now, I don't know much about uh, trimming trees. There are a few people in our church who do. Uh, Brad Gornson, I know, tr- trims trees for a living, and also Pastor Dave, before he became pastor here, when he was living out in Illinois, he used to trim trees. I'm not sure if many of you knew that. But Dave actually explained this to me, that there is a purpose in trimming trees beyond just cutting off the dead branches. There's also a purpose in pruning otherwise healthy branches in order that they would become healthier. And that's what the Father is doing here to the branches on the vine. He prunes them, which means that he puts them through pain in order that they would become healthier. Now, this is a normal occurrence in a believer's life where the Lord inflicts pain, not because he likes to inflict pain, but because he loves them in order that they would grow to be healthier. Uh, We get this picture in Hebrews that true evidence of faith is that you go through pain as a believer that you would grow in the faith. This is what Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to, to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the, to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, so you see God's design in discipline. His discipline is for your good. It's good to be disciplined. Okay, so if you're the branch on this vine, the vine is Jesus, the branch are his followers, and you're disciplined, this is a good thing. It, it, it means that you're, you're real. You should be encouraged by that. Now, it's not good to be cut off, to, to be a branch that's dead and, and, and is completely thrown off from the vine. About three and a half years ago, I went through uh, a challenging time in my life. And I looked at this verse, and it really impacted me. Because what it proved to me is that I was, I'm real. I, I felt like I, I was going through some suffering, and it proved to me that, wow, the Lord is doing this to me because I'm, I'm, a, legitimate, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a legitimate child. I'm truly his, and, and he pruned me for my good. And I think the only reason I'm up here preaching to you right now is because of that experience. You know, so this is the fruit of that. Uh, so God's work is done through his children in order that they would bear more fruit. And the pain doesn't stay. The pain goes, but the fruit does stay. And it continues with the believer. So the Lord uses pain for your good. And some of you are, are dealing with pain here today and, and realize that He's pruning you for your good, that you would bear more fruit, that you would be healthier. Now, in verse 3, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, 
And he, he says to them that they are clean. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And the word clean, we've heard before. We heard this in chapter 13 when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. Uh, he said to his disciples in chapter 13, verses 10 and 11, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Okay, so another word for clean is you are saved. You are a genuine believer. Now, Judas followed around Jesus and the other disciples for three years. To, to, all, to the other disciples, Judas seemed like a genuine believer. Do you remember the scene where Jesus says that one of you is going to betray me? They were surprised it was him. They were saying, who is it, Lord? They, it wasn't like, okay, we know this is Judas. We, we know he's the guy. They were surprised that it was him. He, he looked like a genuine believer, but he really wasn't. And throughout the Gospel of John, John highlights two types of people. He highlights genuine Christians and phony Christians. John 2, 23 and 24, uh, Jesus is performing miracles, and people believe in him because of his miracles. It says that many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Which means that Jesus never really gave himself to them, which means that they were never really saved. Another verse is John 8.31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Okay, so he's saying, okay, you think you're a believer? Well, prove it. Let's, let's see if you continue in the faith here. That'll, pro- that'll prove whether you are real or not. So some branches appear to be connected to the vine and some do not. If you look at verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So this branch that's connected to him at first looks like it's real, but it doesn't bear fruit, which means that it's not real. The ones who are real continue with Jesus and bear fruit. And I have three evidences as to true faith, as to what true faith is, and evidence that you belong to Jesus. Uh, the first evidence is that if you belong to Jesus, you will progress in the faith. If you belong to Jesus, you will progress in the faith. The fruit of the healthy branch depends 100% on whether it is connected to the vine. If it's not connected to the vine, it cannot bear fruit. Uh, This is what Jesus says in verses 4 and 5. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now good works come out of a genuine lever because he or she is connected to the vine. Jesus is the source of these good works. Because you're connected with him, This good fruit comes out of you. You can't do it without him. He says, apart from from me, you can do nothing. Those are strong words. He says, you can't do anything apart from me. The reason that you can bear any fruit is because you are united to me. 
Now, a dead branch cannot bear fruit because it's not truly connected to the vine. And a branch that does not bear fruit is a false Christian. And it's cut off from the vine. Now, not only is is the dead branch cut off from the vine, but much worse happens to it. The branch faces judgment, or false Christians who are cut off from Christ face judgment. In verse 6, Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, so we get, we get a picture here of judgment. Fire is an image of judgment. Do you have this fruit? That's the question I have for you. Do you have this fruit? Do you bear fruit? Are you continually growing in your walk with the Lord? The Bible knows nothing of a Christian who does not bear fruit. If you are joined to Christ, you will bear fruit. It's a guarantee that you will. Do you hunger for God's word? Do you crave times with other believers? Do you look forward to those times where you get to have that fellowship with other Christians? Do you desire to make disciples? Do you want to see other people go to heaven? Do you hate your sin and do you desire to grow in holiness? Do you long to be with Jesus? Are you in love with this world or are you homesick for heaven? Believers are homesick for heaven. They they want to be with the Lord. And it's better to be with him than to be here. Now, you may be looking at me and saying, well, it's hard for me to see fruit in my life sometimes. And that's true. Sometimes it is hard to see fruit and pinpoint it in our lives. But do you at least have the desire to grow? Because if you have the desire to grow, you will seek after Jesus. And you will bear fruit. You bear fruit because you seek after him and you completely depend on him. That's why he says in verse 7 that you should pray. If you're lacking fruit in your life, pray for it. Pray that it would manifest itself in your life. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. True believers desire spiritual growth. If you ask him, he will give it. And when you pray, you need to pray in the right manner. Jesus gives us the proper way to pray here. He says, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Which means that you need to pray biblically. If you, if you, if you ask Jesus, I want a billion dollars, is that a prayer he's going to answer? Probably not. Unless it's for, like, to, to open up some missions agency. Then he might. But he probably won't answer that prayer. You know, if you want a, lake, a house on Lake Minnetonka that you don't need, is he going to answer that prayer? Probably not. But if you pray biblically, if you pray for his promises back to him, he'll answer that. Uh, in, in John 17, when Jesus prays to the Father for his followers, he prays that they would be sanctified. He prays that they would have joy. He prays that they would have peace. And, and, and this is fruit. You know, pray that for yourself. Pray that for other believers. And those are the prayers that God loves to answer. A Puritan Thomas Manton said, when you pray, show God his handwriting. 
Okay, he wrote, he wrote this book, so pray the Bible back to him, and he will answer. Now, God is glorified through a healthy branch. In verse 8, this is what it says. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. God is glorified for those who are healthy and are following Jesus, walking closely with him. And God doesn't just save you just to save you. You know, he doesn't just say, okay, you're saved, now go do whatever you want with your life. No, he saves you to make you holy. He has a design. And if you're connected to the vine, you will be made holy. Uh, in Ephesians 2.8, it says that you are saved by grace through faith. Okay, that's, that's what God does when he saves someone. He saves you by grace through faith. And then in verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so God saves you that you would bear much fruit. And that's, that's the first evidence that you belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, you will progress in the faith. The second evidence that you belong to Jesus is that you will possess maximum joy. If you belong to Jesus, you will possess maximum joy. Verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now one who is united to Christ will be obedient. Uh, Just as Jesus was obedient to the Father, so will Jesus' followers be obedient to him. Now, the, so the outworking of being connected to Jesus is this obedience that comes out of you. And when we hear the word obedience, it, it, joy isn't something that typically pops to our mind. Because you know, we, we think about times in our life where we had to obey our parents or something, and we really didn't want to do it, but we had to. And it's like a slave master behind you telling you what to do. That's not what this is. This obedience is joyful. Everything that Jesus has said said up to this point leads to maximum joy. This is what he says in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus is the source of this joy and he gives it to his followers. Those who are in the world do not have real joy. It's, It's an artificial joy that depends on one's circumstances. If your circumstances are good, it's, it's there. If your circumstances are bad, it's gone. Uh, but those who belong to Christ have a joy that sticks with them no matter what circumstance they face in life. So the life of dependence on Christ, obedience to him, and even being pruned, going through pain, that joy remains. That joy stays with you. Now, this isn't a joy where you're always happy, you know, and you're always smiling. Uh, it, it can be, but it, not necessarily, because some of you aren't like that, and you might say to me, well, I don't, I don't always feel this way. It's a joy that sticks with you through the trials of life. Now, Jesus was probably the most joyful person. Okay, I shouldn't say probably. He was the most joyful person who walked on the face of the earth. 
And Isaiah describes him as a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. Okay, So Jesus experienced tremendous sorrow, and yet his joy was full. Uh, the Apostle Paul said he was sorrowful, yet, al- yet always rejoicing. So as you face the trials of life, as you go through difficult circumstances, this is a joy that sticks with you. And it's, it's an evidence of true believers in Jesus Christ, this joy that sticks with you. you, know, when, you when you receive bad news... Your life isn't over. You're saying, well, I still have Christ. I, I, my joy is still full because I have him. And I'm, I'm going to be okay because, because I have him. Amen. Yeah, amen. So your circumstances in life may change, but the joy that you possess will always be there because you are united to the one whose joy is full. So evidence number two that you belong to Jesus is that you will possess maximum joy. Evidence number three that you belong to Jesus is you will practice love toward, toward other believers. You will practice love toward other believers. In verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Disciples of Jesus must love other believers like Jesus has loved them. Now, Jesus demonstrated this during his life. And up to this point, he's he's talking with his disciples, and his disciples have no clue uh, what he's talking about here in verse 13. In verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Because up to this point, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. But once the event of the cross happened where Jesus gave up his life for them. Then they knew, okay, this is what he was talking about here. Jesus calls you to love with a specific kind of love. He calls you to love sacrificially, giving up your resources, your reputation, your rights, your comforts, and maybe even your life uh, for someone else. About five years ago, in the summer of 2009, uh, there were two youth leaders uh, who led a youth outing up in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, on a lake up there. And the two youth leaders were with several students out on a lake, and they were out on a sandbar, and gusts of wind began to pick up, and, it was, and, and, and the gusts of wind picked up to about 40 miles per hour. And the, and the waves were crashing. And one of the young boys drifted out uh, into the deep end. And he didn't have a life jacket. And he needed, he needed to be rescued. And so the two youth leaders, uh, one was a youth pastor. One was a youth, a long-time youth helper. They swam out after him. And they brought a life jacket out to him. And, and they got the life jacket to the boy. The boy put the life jacket on. He swam safely to shore. The two youth leaders never made it back. Uh, both men drowned, uh, and, and they gave up their lives in order that this boy could be saved. And, and the two men were a 30-year-old, Nathan Yunker. Uh, he, was, he was the youth pastor. Uh, he, he was actually a, a, a graduate of Crown College, graduated from Crown in uh, 2000. And then the youth leader was a 63-year-old man uh, by the name of Albert Hermiston. So both men gave up their lives that this boy could live. You know, greater love 
has no one than this, to someone lay down his life for his friends. And if you're a believer here today, that's what Jesus did for you. You were in the water. You were hopeless. You needed someone to rescue you. And he did. He swam out to you. He gave you his vest. And he gave up his life. And, and, you, and, and you're safe now. And you have life because of what he did for you. This is the type of love that Jesus calls genuine believers to demonstrate in their life. Jesus' friends do what he commands, and they love in this way. And up to this point, Jesus called his disciples servants. Now he calls them friends. Verse 14, you notice that? You are my friends if you do what I command you. And of course, they're going to do what they what he commands them because, because the disciples are genuine believers. Remember, he told them they, that they are clean and those who are clean will bear fruit and will be obedient. So Jesus goes from calling them servants to friends and he reveals all of this information to them and he says to them that he's made known to them everything that the Father has told him. In verses 15 and 16, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Okay, so this doesn't mean that he made known everything that that the father knows. Because obviously the father knows everything. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But everything that they need to know, Jesus has made known to them. And the, the, the disciples here... They're, they're kind of on like a, they feel like they're on like a top secret mission. Can you imagine the pride puffing up here? And then Jesus says to them, to take away their pride, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide. Okay, so this is a humbling thing. Of all the people in the world, Jesus chose these men to go out and to bear fruit. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, he chose you. You did not choose him. He chose you long before you were born to be his disciple, that you would would bear fruit and prove to be his disciple. And and as as this humbled the disciples, this ought to humble you greatly as well, the position that you are in as, as a chosen one of the Lord. And he chose you that you would be holy and bear fruit. And one of the ways that you will bear fruit is that you will love other believers. This is a true mark of faith. First uh, John 3.10 says, It is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if you do not love your fellow believers in Christ then you're not a genuine believer. That's what this is saying. So my encouragement to you today is that you would examine yourself to see which branch you are. Are you the healthy branch that's connected to the vine, that bears fruit, or are you a a dead branch that is thrown away into the fire to be burned? Uh, Earlier I mentioned the book of life. Anyone's name who... Who is found written in the book of life? They are safe. They are. They have life with Christ. But those 
whose names are not found written in the book of life, they are thrown into the lake of fire. They face judgment. So examine yourself. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 13 encourages believers, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. So I encourage you to do that here today. Look for these evidences of true faith in your life. Do you experience progress in the Christian life? Do you possess maximum joy? Do you practice love toward other believers? These are evidences of those who are connected to the vine, of those who are bearing fruit. Continual growth in Christ-likeness is evidence that you belong to Jesus. And next week, uh, Pastor Dave will be back, and he'll be preaching uh, through the rest of this chapter, John 15, and all the way through verse 33 of chapter 16. Let's pray. Father, as I, as I prayed at, at the beginning, I pray again, you know, that, that those who are genuine believers, uh, that you would give them confidence, that they, that they are the healthy branch. And I pray for those who, who are not truly connected to the vine, that they would be. Uh, Lord, uh, you know, as I said, Lord, the goal of this church is, is to be and make disciples. And I pray that everyone here would be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, that they would not just believe in Jesus, uh, that, in a belief that is not a saving faith, but I pray that they would believe in his words and truly abide in him and that he would abide in them. Thank you for this time, Lord, and, and thank, you for, thank you for your word. What, what a treasure it is. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Later this week, uh, Guy Runkle and Brenda Runkle <laughs> will be going to Macedonia. And that's, that's an exciting trip. Uh, actually, last year this time, Pastor Dave and I had the opportunity to go to Macedonia. And, and they're going to be uh, tremendously blessed on, on this trip, I know. And, and they'll be there for a couple weeks. And so today... We are going to send them off. I'm going to invite Wayne Huben. He's going to grab the mic here. And Pastor Dave wasn't able to be here today. Uh, he's on vacation in Florida. Uh, but he wrote a note 